Welcome to the Rolling Stone Studs, a podcast about the baddest boys in the British invasion, hosted by your own bad boys. Oh, it's PJ. And this week, Mr. D. PJ, that's officially my new podcasting name. A Beach Boys, I think. Boys Mr. D, huh? Yeah, it's. I think it's just got to be Mr. D. There's nothing more catchy, more you know, kind of edgy than calling yourself Mr. D. And what exactly does the D stand for in your name? Dick. Okay. Yeah, I was already calling you Mr. Dick for years behind your back. Right. I mean, a lot of people do. I'm just sort of taking it back, you know. Um, yeah. And repurposing it in for my own sort of uh, what would you call it? Um, your own bravado, I guess. Just sure. Kind of repurposing I mean, there's it no. And... Yeah. I don't know that there's even really a good reason for it, but just Mr. D, it's just kind of, it's just, it's cool, man. You know, put that on a bowling shirt. You got your Mr. <laughs> D bowling shirt, and uh, you're obviously the coolest guy at the alley that, oh, week, that Saturday night during club play. Mr. D really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? That's true, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's one of those names where it's like, it's pretty long, but then it's only three letters. That's true. Yeah, it's crazy. Three as, as many letters as syllables, which how many words or how many names does that apply to? Almost uh, none. My name. True. That's true, yeah. PJ. So now we have PJ and Mr. D, a five. That's only five letters for our names in the podcast yeah. now. And it's down from six with Pete. <laughs> but yeah. that one letter shaved off is going to make a big difference somewhere, somehow. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited um, about it. I think it's a good change. I think, you know, we really need... I don't know if we've jumped the shark necessarily on this podcast, but I think no. we do need something to freshen it up a little bit. And oh, yeah. It's, you Just can't like hire... the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah. Bringing in, bringing in new musicians, you know, to play with mm-hmm. and uh, just trying to, yeah, get, get something going in the studio. I kept trying to get you to, you know, let me hire a little, a cute little boy to uh, be on our podcast just to, like, you know, freshen it up and, yeah. you know, yeah. you got that charm factor that we both lack. Right. Um, sort of bring a young Sheldon vibe to exactly. the Rolling Stone stuff. Yep. Um, and uh, you said it was too expensive to hire a child. Um, yeah. His name would have been Little Mick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would have been we- Little Mick on the show, of course. Obviously. What what better the name for a small child? And it would not have been Mick Taylor, our little Mick. It would have actually been a young boy um, hired to act as Mick Jagger as a young boy, like as about like an eight-year-old, you know, just little Mick Jagger yeah. type, just pre-Rolling Stones, just sort of this precocious young little guy running Walking around with a like, long scarf yeah. and a silk shirt on and strutting his stuff and doing you know, his little chicken walk yeah writing songs about the devil and it's all you know it's all there already. you can see it when he's eight for a child yeah and it's just so funny that like mm-hmm. he's already popping pills and banging models when he's eight you know so, yeah and you're just like how how funny is the concept of a young person doing things that an older person already exactly does? it's a good bit and yes. 
kids are not cheap these days. No, I tried they've to do gone up Gary... in price so much since the Beach Boys boys. Oh yeah. I we mean... had this idea originally. We wanted little Carl. Uh but... and you know, honestly, back then the price was right. Child actors were cheap. But after the young Sheldon boom of I don't know, when when did that show come out? Two thousand seventeen, I wanna say. Two thousand eighteen. Sure. Yeah. After the young Sheldon boom, along with COVID. COVID really like Yes, well, because it wiped out all the adult actors. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> kids can't get it, nor can they spread it. Apparently, you That's know, according to all the all the rules I've read. So, um, if you're under that mask wearing age, you just really you're hireable like that for any job. Yeah. There are kid lawyers now, PJ, running the world. Kid, and I hear there's going to be a kid president where you go from our oldest president to our youngest president. Not my I mean, kid president. <laughs> yeah, That's right. One of those kids actually is going to take over a major league baseball club. (laughs) (laughs) And what the fuck is the name of that movie? (laughs) Uh, Rookie of the year. Uh, No, it was a, God, I don't even know. Oh yeah, maybe, but I'm thinking of a different movie that was probably a knockoff. Wait, was it rookie of the year? Where the kid, plays baseball and he's a child no well i mean maybe when did that come out 1993 so when i was a kid i had a dvd and it was one of those where i think it was like a straight to dvd movie uh but it was about a kid it might have been rookie of the year just that name doesn't sound familiar to me at all but the like pictures from it look familiar kind of was it angels in the outfield no here's what it was it was little big league <laughs> oh I've from heard the year of, after yeah. it was probably a knockoff trying to like ride ride its success a young boy has bequeathed the ownership of a professional baseball team that's what it was because he was an owner not a player okay um god that was a great move it i'm sure it wasn't i'm sure it was terrible uh, it was one of those where, like, I think we were at Walmart one day, and that was in, like, a dollar DVD bin, and so I got to buy it. <laughs> I convinced yeah. my parents that it was worth buying, and it probably wasn't. I probably watched so it. So much like, entertainment for only a dollar. Yeah, yeah. Here's no one famous is in it. Oh yeah, this should be friend of the show. Jake should watch this. His favorite team is the Twins. When my grandpa died, all I got was a sweat. First of all, I'd just like to say this is really cool. You mean you own the team and the stadium? <clears throat> Can I borrow five bucks? I would like to announce that I've named myself the new manager of the Minnesota. Not only is he the owner, he's also the manager. I know. The IMDB page for it is pretty great. You know how hard it is to manage? It's the American League. They got the DH. How hard can it be? I gotta go over all this paperwork. Wow. You sound like my dad. Can I, like, have your autograph? Wow. Shell Oh, everybody's watching. He's on the Jumbotron. Oh, yeah. Of course everyone's watching. Nobody's watching. Dennis Farina. only 12 years old. I'm not going to win anything with a kid for a manager. Now, why don't you go okay, so there's also a character who's wearing Coke bottle glasses, but like the goofy ones you get at like Cracker Barrel okay. uh, that make your eyes all weird. And yeah. he just said, throw me and I'll throw a strike. And uh, <laughs> which I think they also took that from the movie Major League where the yeah. guy has to wear. 
Yeah. So the a... the IMDb storyline, which I think is written by like like it's a Wikipedia thing where it's just um open source kind of. Right. Uh but here's the team hates their manager. So Billy quickly fires the SOB, <laughs> winning their instant <laughs> approval. <laughs> I can't believe that's in there. And then uh however this turns to dismay when he announces their new manager, Billy Haywood himself. How will Billy convince a gang of proud, tough men to stick around and take orders from a kid? That's Yeah. That's kind of that's my life the last few months. I've been trying yeah. to take on the proud boys. So yeah. it's been yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Um and yeah, it's you know, kids kids being in charge is just it's always good for a little bit of laugh, a little, little bit of drama and PJ a lot of heart. That's true. A lot of heart. So, yeah, that's what we're hoping to achieve with the Rolling Stone studs um with little Mick uh and we'll see how that goes maybe hopefully it'll show up within a couple episodes if anybody out there has a child we could use a child who's um, willing to act under send in headshots so Uh, here's the deal though it's kind of got to be under the table non-union you know can't be part of sag uh we cannot afford union day rates so works it really needs to be yeah really needs to be a little uh under the radar there yeah we'll we'll give them two dum-dums per episode or if they do good one of those all day swirly suckers that's right uh this is really more a job for exposure than out and out pay yeah so Um, you you know if your kid's looking to get their name out there uh mm -hmm. definitely first of all (laughs) a podcast with dozens of listeners at most (laughs) is a great place to start uh it's also you know just it's really gonna help them jump to the next tier of show business i would think i i would have to think it's helped us they can be on our podcast and then they Mm -hmm. can move up to the podcast and then eventually they're doing joe rogan you know eventually they're doing joe rogan yeah yes yeah the tiers are us one uh, after that, it's uh, screw it. We're just going to talk about the Beatles, right? And then you get up to Are you talking Talking Heads to me? Uh, and then I got to think: Is there like a very mainstream music pod? There has to be, um, because that's kind of the biggest one to my mind. But there has to be like an actual one that's hosted by like a weird actor, you know? <laughs> like at this point, yeah. there's a version of every podcast that like Jeff Daniels has it one or something. Yeah, weird, yeah, you know? it's like where he's obsessed with the Grateful Dead or something. I don't, know. I don't even know. Like, oh yeah, is there like a John Mayer podcast? <laughs> oh, I bet he's got a. I bet podcast. John Mayer hosts a podcast. Oh, Song Exploder is probably the most popular oh, yeah. music podcast. That's a good one. Or there's one I don't actually know how popular it is, but I feel like I've heard of it a good amount. Um, All songs considered as well is also yeah yeah, but there's one chart. God, I don't even remember the name. Who chart? Hit Parade. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, I think the premise of Hit Parade is like he goes through number one hits like throughout the years and like talks about the song. You know, goes in depth on the band mm-hmm. or the song or whatever. Um. Yeah, but I don't actually know if it's a super popular one. I feel like I just hear of it through like other podcasts I listen to, which means nothing about whether it's like a huge podcast or not, I guess. So Right. Yeah, I don't know. 
but yeah, they'll eventually, you know, and then get up to the the top tier of show business, which is Joe Rogan and Conan. Exactly. And whatever the third season of Serial is going to be. That's what I was going to... Well, they already had a third season. But, the fourth um, season of Serial is going to be. Yeah. You're going to... He's going to get into some trouble. He's going to yeah. murder a guy. And then Serial's got something right for him. Oh, you think or the Serial maybe murder a guy. Little Mick. <laughs> I think so. Okay. You know, yeah. child actors are always doing crazy stuff. Could be. Um, could be. But, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime offer because they could be starting at the very bottom, which would be... Um, the podcast, right? Which you don't want to start out that garbage. You're cutting your teeth no. on that. No thanks. I mean, to um, be fair, it's only about a half rung down the ladder from us. But that half rung, it's. A, it's I mean, it goes from garbage rung. to like just out of the garbage in that half. It goes rung. from garbage to listenable most <laughs> yeah. of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's right. But he's got to be a talented kid. Send sure. in headshots and a voice reel. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Mick Jagger, like, here's, we don't really want a kid doing a Mick Jagger impression. We really want, if your kid is into method, we want a kid who is little Mick Jagger. We need a know? little Mick. Yeah. yeah. Like, we need him to live and breathe Mick Jagger and um really if he's not willing to go that far then he's not right for the job and that's all yeah. there is to it and he will never get those suckers uh that we've promised as pay yeah <laughs> or maybe a sodi pop if he's really good that oh. day oh yeah he get that's his bonus his definitely quarterly. if if we see views in the quarter yeah maybe a um maybe a shasta a can of grape shasta yeah it has to be from the vending machine outside of Albertsons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we won't give him the money and let him go buy one. Uh, we'll walk to the vending machine so that we know that's where the money is going. Exactly. Just like if you <laughs> offer to buy a homeless person dinner. <laughs> so that you know where the money is going. <laughs> pop those quarters in and then hand, open the can and hand it to him so he has to drink it right there. He can't save it for later. No. That's some bullshit. It, it's no, bar No, you have rules. to drink it right there. Yeah, exactly. And we're not um, going to wait that long. We're going to give you two, three minutes max. Yeah, you to have to sit on thing. the curb and chug the Shasta. Um, <laughs> any flavor that is grape, strawberry, or kiwi strawberry is fine. Um, maybe lemon lime if I'm feeling generous. But, the, you know, the Coke ones are really just bullshit, if you ask me. Like, that's <laughs> some off-brand RC shit. Yeah, it's uh, worse than and RC. Then, any diet no no i mean he's no. a kid he can put on weight that's fine exactly and like, i mean yeah. he's got to do that like very thin but like with a little tiny belly like mick has <laughs> well like, not tone it's hard to tell if mick has the little belly or whether he's just always sticking it out when he's walking <laughs> around you know because he just kind of that's kind of his posture is just like sticking his tummy out yeah it's so like, even it's though it's like, like heroin cocky, stomach tummy yeah 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 it's hard to know what is so. that called when you have like you're an alcoholic and you have a distended like little yeah, tiny yeah. belly? Yeah. Yes. Um, I could not stop chuckling at <laughs> the idea of us waiting around for, for a child <laughs> to chug a soda to off the this, curb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just hurry it up. We have places to be. 
We got podcasts to make, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, this is a fucking operation. Yeah. I don't know if people still... I mean, this is, first of all, a Beach Boys Boys production. That's true. Uh, but we're overseeing, you know, all those other shows that we listed <laughs> off earlier in the run here are... They have all ballooned into oh, these yeah. massive enterprises with huge casts. Um, at this point, um, the the um, the 13th floor elevator um, thoughts are... It's really... They have gotten to a point where they have 13 full people on the show... And they're all kind of doing characters. They're just yeah. acting out like the album recording process as different members of the band and crew. And they don't really like so. Our studios talk are just about, overflowing here yeah. with people. They, and they they've stopped talking about the thirteenth floor elevator. They, no, yeah. When I mean they get it in their band members but... and crew and album recording process, they've moved on now to doing um, the Black Crows. So yeah. like they've gone up through music history every band that's been influenced like the next evolution of that sound until now i kind of disagree personally with how they got there but they have moved through the years to now the black crows are somehow like the 90s version of 13th floor elevators in their kind of in their process so exactly and i i do have sad news peter Um, the three hosts of the podcast the Manfred Man men have yeah. sadly passed away. Oh no! Um, in a plane accident. Oh which, no! Yeah, um, all three it, in in the same plane accident, or yeah, three different the, planes simultaneously. Well, so they it, it wasn't actually like a plane that was flying. They lived in an old abandoned uh, jumbo jet, and okay. uh, you know it was really rusty, and they all just got tetanus. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Yeah, yeah, passed away from from that um you know i guess you can't really be the manfred man earth band without living on the earth like if they're flying around all the time it just wouldn't work do you think i said the, the manfred man earth men no earth band <laughs> isn't that the full name of the manfred man band I, I think it's just manfred man i'm looking it up manfred man who later led the successful 1970s group manfred man's earth band manfred man is a man <laughs> Yeah, I actually thought Manfred Mann's Earth Band like was not a person's name. It was just the name of the group, you know? But yeah, Manfred Mann... Oh, Manfred Mann was a rock band from 1962 to 1969 named after their keyboardist, Manfred Mann. I mean, somebody does have to who then take later over led the Manfred, Manfred Mann Man duties. Because so. didn't Manfred Mann's Earth Band sing Hot Like a Douche or whatever? Yeah, Blinded by the Light. Um, no, that was Steve Miller Band. No, that's Manfred Mann. Are you fucking kidding me? I know because it was on here's Sirius XM chat real quick. It was on Sirius XM the other day. And they always play the Manfred Mann version. And let me tell you, the Manfred Mann version sounds exactly like you're hearing Bruce Springsteen. Just with slightly less saxophone. Steve Miller Band also did Blinded by the Light. Oh, did, did they? First. Okay, okay. I'll look up Steve Miller Band. You look Let's up. see. There's a whole thing about Manfred Mann's version uh, on the Wikipedia page for the song. Oh, Wait a second. Wait a second. Manfred Mann cover. I'm not seeing another cover listed. You know what? But... Steve Miller Band did not do it. Oh, okay. I have always thought that that was Steve Miller Band. Wow. Now, PJ, speaking of three people. Okay, this is a potential hard edit point. <laughs> 
because <laughs> we're way past it, but I thought it was funny enough. I want to bring it back somehow. Speaking of three people dying in plane crashes um, <coughs> or in planes all at once, do you think on 9-11, <laughs> do you think there were, is it possible that there were three, speaking of 9-11, which I know we did off air right before the show because we were going off through the 9-11 no-fly list, but do you think there were three people on each plane like that died individually that were somehow all related? Because that seems possible, right? Uh, if not, that sounds like a movie that we're going to make big bucks I know, on, right? Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess once we get into the point where they can do, like, fictional histories of 9-11. Yeah. Like, so far, it seems like they're too close, but yeah. eventually, we in, like, 100 to... years, they'll be like, what if? Exactly. We need to wait 80 years like they did for Titanic. Yes, yeah. Titanic, um, you definitely got to wait. Um, yeah. So, yeah. in 2081, will be the hottest-selling movie of the year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I... I had a thought. That's all right. This is a good natural end edit point for that whole thing because yeah. it probably doesn't need to. Be, oh, given I'm that it was that all in. related to a conversation we were having off for air. Sure. I do wish it was a joke that we were talking about the 9-11 no-fly list off air, but that is an actual thing that we were doing. Yes. Well, it turns out Yusuf Islam was on it um, because of his last name only, which yeah. just really goes to show if you thought the Muslim ban was bad, you know, you forgot about George Bush. You forgot about that first Muslim ban. Yeah, that's right. And that first Muslim band was? <sighs> no, I don't got it. There had to have been a band in like the late 60s, early 70s with some Muslim people in it. But I feel like war probably had a couple members who were like converted Muslims. Yeah. A band along those lines, some funk band. I was tr- I'm trying to think, of, like maybe Rage Against the Machine, but who knows? They I mean, seem Yusuf, like they don't. Yusuf care Islam about is the only musician now that we've been talking about it a bunch that I can think of off the top of my head. Let's look up Muslim musicians. I mean, because obviously there were I mean, like Muslim bands, not in America, but I guess I'm more thinking like in the British or American, you know, music scene I mean, of of the 60s and 70s. I don't know about the 60s and 70s, but, like, a lot of rappers. Okay, here we go. I got list of American Muslims. Let's go to music. Well, we have Ahmet Erdogan. I did not realize he was a Muslim man. I knew he was from, like, the Middle East, but I didn't know he was Muslim himself. Ice Cube. That's surprising. I did not know that. lot of rappers of course that's what i'm saying yusuf islam is even on here that's weird does he not count as was he not american was he canadian or something oh he's british he's very british oh i didn't know cat stevens was british at all i really thought he was american for some reason okay no dude that's how he could be on the no fly list and not yeah this list is like no one not a rapper it, it this should be a list of rappers who converted to Islam. Yusuf Latif, but not that's not Yusuf Islam, obviously. Yeah, it's him, Ahmet Erdogan, and then like two jazz people, Ahmad Jamal, a pianist, and Art Blakely, a drummer, are like the only non-rappers on this on this list. And I've heard that those fellas can really fucking do a <laughs> they verse. Can, they can spit, cut yeah. a verse. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. 
Oh, well, that's okay. Oh, Mike Tyson is Muslim. Wow. Yeah. He converted in 1994. Jesus. How did I not know that? That's weird. I knew that. Wait, what Kareem the fuck? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal? That's, That's not surprising. That is very surprising to me. He is an asshole. <laughs> like, I mean, not That's that, true. Yeah. Not that your religion has anything to do with your whether you're a nice or not person, but I feel like the cliche, quote unquote, of famous people who have like become Muslims is that that's associated nicer. with them like turning their life around and like becoming a better person. And Shaq is a, a dick. Like he's not that's a cool true. person at all. <laughs> I mean, he's wait, like, wait, 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 wait. He's fine. Are you talking he's about just a, DJ Shaq Diesel? Yeah. Okay. He's like probably a nice guy, but he's a dick in terms of his like NBA analyzing stuff, which is all that I know him from is being on like NBA halftime shows. And he's a jerk there. Well, so. and he was just like a huge bully when he was in the NBA. Yes, but, like, he's supposedly, like, there's a lot of cool videos of him doing his DJ sets at, like, festivals and being, like, there's one of him trying to crowd surf and shit, and, like, he seems like kind of a cool guy in certain contexts, you know? And, like, I'm sure if you met him on the street, he could be, but, like, he's also a dick enough of the time. He started the Shaq brand and only sold it at Walmart because um, he realized that there was no basketball shoes for... uh, Oh, that's cool. Underprivileged children. I did not know he... Yeah, that's cool that he he, uh, started that trend. That's cool. There have been a couple, three, like... um, What's his name? Stephen Marbury, when we were kids. If you remember, Mm -hmm. those shoes were huge at, like, Kmart. I don't remember what the shoes look like. I don't even know if I could either, actually, to be honest with you, but I just remember Stephen Marbury being... I only knew him just because his shoes were, like, at Kmart. And I always thought they were cool. Yes, I remember these shoes. Yeah, they were ugly. Yeah, even then they were pretty ugly. But. Yeah. Well, then at the time when we were children, the the popular shoes were like DCs and Etnies. I feel like. right. Yeah, or Which like are... K Swiss. Yeah. Remember K Swiss shoes? God, do they're cheap Adidas? Um, yeah. Okay, so Shaq was raised by a Baptist mother and a Muslim stepfather. Um, for some reason, Robin Wright in her book. Oh, not Robin Wright, the actor. (laughs) Robin Wright, a very different person. Uh, Robin Wright, I don't even know who this person is. American foreign affairs analyst, author, and journalist. Why was she writing about Shaq? Okay. Uh, And the LA Times have identified O'Neill as a Muslim. However, Shaq has said, I'm Muslim, I'm Jewish, I'm Buddhist, I'm everything. So, Oh, so he's not really. So he doesn't, yeah, so he's not really a Muslim. Or like, you know, whatever. He might do some, take part in some things, but he he doesn't identify as a Muslim. So, okay, that, come on, Wikipedia, get your shit together. Yeah, dude. Um... It also yeah, has a lot Hakeem of Olajuwon on here. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, does anyone do people convert to Islam and not change their name? That does seem very. I mean, it must be I don't kind th- of a, I don't at think, least strongly uh, encouraged, if not required. I don't think Hakeem Olajuwon uh, changed his name. I think he was born Hakeem Olajuwon. I also think. He was oh Muslim. yeah, Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar. Question. Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. Wait, I'm pretty sure because I'm. Uh, well, he was born Ferdinand Lewis alcador jr yes i was gonna say i'm i knew i knew his regular lou alcindor is what he went by yeah 
but how cool of a name is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? I oh mean, yeah, like it's you, incredible. Well, I think uh, with 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 seven two, Jesus Christ, Kareem Olajuwon was born. Um, was he born Hakeem Olajuwon? Probably. I think he was. Yes. Yeah. So now I want to know about the whole name change because, like, a lot of people obviously do it. So it must just be encouraged, but not a requirement. I don't remember what we were talking about before we got there. Oh yeah, Manfred Mann's Earth Band. The Manfred Mann men. All that, yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Those guys from the from the Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Their podcast. We need to um, honor them in a moment of no. silence on this podcast. Okay, great. That's a long enough moment, given yeah. the quality of their show. I mean, it was definitely exactly. the poorest performer. It was oh, really sure. they they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, not supposed to be a joke about them dying. No one was shot, um, as no. PJ said. They died of tetanus. Um, but they kind of shot themselves in the foot by refusing to talk about Blinded by the Light because they were like, "That's the only thing they're known for," and we're wanting to do a deep dive on this band. Yeah, and that was just people were clamoring for the blind. They just wanted Blinded by the Light. Like, come on, we got to talk about it, guys. And they, and they just like, they didn't even to, write the song. And, they were yeah, and after mad. like a yeah. few episodes, their listenership just dropped off a cliff because it became clear they were never going to get to. No. Blinded by the Light, kind of like, um, and we really are since, you know, we're getting into a little bit into 70s uh, groups and singers, um, but the Carly, the Carly Simon Cads yeah. are um, doing kind of the same, they're trying to play the same game with You're So Vain, and we keep warning them. I mean, you saw Manfred Mann's numbers, and so you yeah. can't you can't see those and know you're doing the right thing by avoiding a hit song like this. Yeah, so. exclusively for their name, they were yeah. right when they came out. The Manfred Mann men, good name for a podcast. Listenership <laughs> shot up, and right. then took a nosedive after they <laughs> claimed many times they would not talk about Blinded by the Light. Yeah. So, yeah, it's no good. R.I.P. Mauricio <laughs> Mac and <Damn>. Mitch. <coughs> you ever drink water so hard you just can't stop coughing? I'm always hard when I drink water. Mm-hmm. You ever dip your glass, dip your dick in a glass of water so hard <laughs> and then drink it? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Have you seen Fargo the TV show? Yeah, uh, all of it. I forget which season this is off the top of my head. I think it's season three with Ewan McGregor. Yeah, it's season three. I've seen Okay. It. Yeah. The scene where the British dude puts his dick in his mug and then makes him drink it. Yeah. Okay. Shelby and I had so many arguments about that scene because it was very unclear to us what was happening. Was there liquid already in there and he was he... just dipping his dick in or did he pee in the mug? I think he peed in the mug. That's what I thought, but then for some reason Shelby, and like not exactly wrongly, because the liquid he's drinking is only clearish, so it's like, was there water in the mug, and the idea of it was just gross that he was dipping his dick in the water and then making him drink it, because it seems clear to me that it was urine, but then Shelby said that, and I'm like, technically, there's nothing about this scene that says you're wrong for thinking that, like, I like thought, there I always thought he peed in it. Yeah, like we we were sitting there arguing about it while we were watching it, and there's like not an audible sound of like him peeing Pacing. really. So it's like, yeah, 
I don't know. We never knew how we were supposed to take that scene. Yeah, it's weird. Have you watched the fourth season of that yet with Chris Rock? No, no. Yeah, me I'm... neither. We need to get to it. Yeah, I didn't realize it was up even. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, when we were watching the third season, which was like sometime during quarantine, um, we finished that show. And I think the fourth season was on like week to week at that point. So we were going to wait till it was all out. So I assume it's all out now. But. I really like this whole trend of uh, of like every season being different actors and stuff, except yeah. for that one show where the first season was really good and the second season was fucking garbage. Oh, True Detective. True Detective, yeah. 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 Are there a lot of shows that do that? I guess I'm not. I mean, maybe Fargo's so, the only one I've actually watched. Like, I know there are a handful of shows that do True it. Detective, the first season's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so True Detective, um, Fargo... American Horror Story, yes. American yeah. Crime Story. Um, and then I there's a like lot there's with different... More. Oh, yeah, American Crime Story, which I never saw the second season of that. Was that good? The was Gianni good. Versace whatever one? Yeah. yeah, I didn't know anything about it, so it was like really yeah. fascinating to learn about it. Okay, I should check that out. I feel like I heard meh things at the time, but I loved the OJ one, so... The OJ one was really good. It was... Yeah, it's fucking amazing. And all of the actors they got, with the exception of Cuba Gooding Jr., were like spot yeah. on yeah oh you didn't like kuba in that i think he was good he doesn't look anything like oj though oh yeah I he's also know. like two feet shorter than oj simpson yeah true yeah that one did kind of make it for me just from some of the like stunt casting stuff of david schwimmer and i mean i don't know if it was supposed to be stunt casting but to me it felt that way with david schwimmer and john travolta and um, nathan lane yeah yeah that but then whole, like yeah it was good though yeah yeah. Anyway, PJ, you want to get into the Rolling Stones? <laughs> I oh, I want to. I mean, we don't have to. Stones. <laughs> After all the <laughs> editing, point. we maybe only talked for fifteen minutes, but you know what, man? We're into. I think we're getting into the lazy Rolling Stones era. Like they don't seem to really give a shit anymore. So why should we? <laughs> you think so? <laughs> no, not. I mean, not quite. But I think we're, we're almost there. there. I think yeah. we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. where. The album is secondary to the tour or to the uh... merchandise. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about we're we're nearing the end of an era, as people say. We'll see if we agree. Um, with Goat's Head Soup, uh, not an apostrophe s on Goat's Head Soup, which is surprising to me. I don't. No, know. it really annoyed me when I yeah. It's truly odd because I think I've written it with the apostrophe the entire time and maybe just noticed looking at the uh, the Wikipedia one more time to double check that it is a uh, it is definitely just an S, which is odd. See, when I was looking up on Spotify, I kept looking up with the apostrophe and then I thought I was clicking on a playlist because it didn't have the apostrophe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, that's the album mm -hmm. on Spotify. So like... Not to get really in the weeds, but grammatically, I believe that is correct or can be correct if that's like the title of the soup, I guess. Goat's head like soup. Like if, if the important part is the soup, then I, I believe, but if the important, yeah, I don't know. I think it is technically grammatically correct. It's just weird because I want an apostrophe there. It's like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, which technically is situation. Ruth's Chris's, but yeah. 
they didn't know how to do that. So it's a real Whoppers Jr. situation. Um, so to record this, the stones were kind of all over the place right now. Um, in right now being late 72, early 73, they, they left France. Uh, they finished up exile in 72, in late 72. Um, what was and the then started recording for them being able to leave France? Well, they weren't stuck in France technically. Um, they just were in France in order to not be paying taxes in the U.S. Like for whatever right. reason. Yeah, they were avoiding their taxes. They left France because they were going to get raided by the French cops for all their right. drugs and everything. Um, so they bounced because of that, came to America and then now they're sort of still in I'm a little unclear on all the specifics of this and do I care? I don't know. But essentially they like can't reside anywhere at the moment because of their whole tax situation. Okay. Um so they are just kind of bopping around at the moment. Um and you know, I'm sure uh the little prince, their uh their banker has got it mm-hmm. all figured out because like how do you tour if like you don't like like where is that money going you know like how are you earning yeah. that money if you like owe it all in britain and you're like supposed to be living in france and paying the french government money in order to live there like all of it's kind of confusing to me um yeah but obviously when you have a fucking prince in charge of your bank account it's gonna go okay yeah the red tape is gonna get cut away a little bit i so. mean except prince philip R.I.P. Rest in Rest Philip. in Prince. Oh. Rest in Prince Philip. The double P. Rip. Um and uh God, it's so just what a life he had, you know. Prince Philip. What a guy. Just an old, old racist man who married his cousin. <laughs> yeah, I think not technically cousins. It was one of those this pulls on my uh, cursory watching of the first two seasons of The Crown before uh, I realized it was too boring. Um, also, historically inaccurate from what I hear. Oh, I so, didn't realize that. I, apparently. From what I read about the first couple of seasons, at least, I can't speak for later seasons, was that they basically presented as fact a lot of things that were rumored but never confirmed. Yeah. But it was one of those things like... A big thing, I think it was the second season, a big thing is him cheating on Elizabeth. Which was never confirmed, right? Right, but it's one of those where it's like all, like, it can safely be assumed, <laughs> safely be assumed that he did based on, I don't know, the era and, like, the places he was hanging out. You know what I mean? Like, And the fact that his son did the same thing. Like, it's basically, you know, like, why why wouldn't he have been cheating Runs in the It's thing? just the royal family, so there. He's got to dip your dick in whatever, man. Especially That's right. if you're a fucking prince. But I think they were cousins just because of weird royal family shit, like, not blood cousins. It was just that he was, like, the son of a count who had, like, married in and, like, I don't know, just, like, weird shit that made them not blood cousins. Uh, Wait, I've pulled up a photograph. But cousins due to, like, people's titles and ranks and everything being lighting up. Let's see. Victoria and Albert had Alice, and she married Ludwig. I love this, because eventually we'll get to... Well, Elizabeth... I mean, this is all... 
she knights Mick, so this is very relevant mm-hmm. to the show. Do you think they'll get to that in the crown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crown season five, every episode is just her knighting a different British rock star. Yeah. This year, first episode, Elton John. Elton John yeah. <laughs> and I then you just Elton get a John. bunch of famous people doing bad impressions of rock stars. Yeah. Oh, that was honestly that would be pretty entertaining. Yeah, that was the entire show vinyl, dude. Oh yeah. Well, just yeah. get okay. So Harry Styles in some, I guess, because it's the '90s, he'd need old man makeup, but he could do Mick Jagger fine. Oh yeah. I don't know who would do Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney just put on as himself, honestly, and just yeah, don't just worry put on about it. A slightly less white wig. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Have him put on. Yeah, he'd look fine. Nah, fam, they're straight up related. For real yeah man they skipped over that in the crown for sure yeah <laughs> they made it seem like they were like not you know blood relatives at least they're both descendants of victoria yeah yeah that's fucking weird yeah and her problem with him cheating on her was <laughs> <laughs> that's weird point. man that's wild there's also just a fantastic episode where uh, he's supposed to be there for his son who is struggling at school and his lesson is to not be there for him and make him figure it out himself. Oh, like Bean Dad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good guy. Yeah. Good guy, Philip. Um, you know, speaking of being knighted, I hear that most people get down on one knee when they're knighted. Now John got down on both knees. <laughs> oh, PJ. oh my god speaking of the early 2000s man that's a trip from the early 2000s god damn jesus christ that's the kind of joke that you forget exists until you're reading through like a certain youtube comment section or like a certain yeah like like rock music forum and just like 50 comments in, all of a sudden people start dropping those jokes and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's going on? Turn back. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. That's great. Um, so they record in. Th- their plan was to record in Jamaica. They end up doing some work in LA and London as well. <sighs> I wish they would have made a reggae album in the 70s. Um, God, I know. Yeah, apparently, in all my reading about this, apparently at some point Mick made a crack about it being, like, the least reggae album ever recorded in Jamaica, uh, which could be true. I don't know. I'm sure there's people who have been, who have recorded in Jamaica without doing full reggae. But anyway, um, yeah, so record in Kingston, uh, not Jimmy Miller, who's their Marshall Chess, um, not really their manager, but the head of Rolling Stone Records, got them, like, three months studio access their their method at the time was just to book a studio for several weeks in a row but just like just for them 24-hour access yeah and then you know they would come and go as they needed um so they had a couple i mean they had kind of their usual extra uh players on the record also billy preston showed up to play on a few tracks speaking of the 10th beetle who comes up all the time i feel like yeah um um Okay, and then I was, while also listening to this album, I was like, "That sounds very Billy yes. Preston." So, that and makes then sense. also um, a percussionist who worked with Traffic and Can named Anthony Kwaku Ba, I think is how it's pronounced. Okay, um, okay. he played on several songs as well, um, kind of adding some, you know, kind of world African instrumentation or percussion. 
Mm-hmm. And let me actually see how many songs he played on. Only two. Oh, weird. Okay. I guess only two. Um, but that was kind of it. Like, you still got Bobby Keys there. Um, couple. Is that the same trumpet player? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember their trumpet player's name, but they have a trumpet player. Who gives a shit? Um, so yeah, kind of their usual, usual crew and still had Jimmy Miller producing, but this was his last album he would produce for them. Uh, Jim Price was their trumpet player. Oh, okay. So they did get a new trumpet player, but whatever, who cares? Okay. It's this, it's just the fucking trumpet, man. Yeah. Um, last, uh, album Jimmy Miller produces due to, so a little unclear, Jimmy Miller's Wikipedia page fucking sucks. It's basically just a list of the bands he's worked with and then a discography, and that's it. Like, they don't give any information about, like, personal problems, basically, which is what I was wondering, because the uh, Mm. there's a vague allusion on the Goat's Head Soup Wikipedia page to it being due to drug issues, him leaving, producing the band, and, like, his discography really drops off after about the mid 70s mm-hmm. so that would make sense if it was that but it's just uh i couldn't find confirmation of that anywhere so not positive okay if that's why uh but he you know obviously is their producer from 68 on is really i don't know we'll see how key he is uh but it seems like he is i mean they'll at least lose his sick drum beats that charlie can't do yeah so he is a good drummer i mean yeah and i mean i guess a good producer i mean i guess like he did exile i mean i get it yeah like obviously he's a good producer it's a little i'm always somewhat unclear on like producers produce producers seem like yeah but producers a lot of times seem like they can either do a whole lot or almost nothing kind of when they work with a band we did discuss this it's hard to know how much like he was influencing kind of their musical sound. Like I'm sure he was influencing like the mix and shit like that. Not Mick and little Mick, okay. the mix. Of I was, the songs. I was getting confused. The yeah, mics. Yeah. You mean? No, like the final, like the levels and everything, the mix, the little oh, the mix gotcha. of the, of the talk okay. of the gotcha. tune. Okay. Like, I'm sure he was doing shit like that a lot, but, and obviously he had some influence as we've seen where he jumps in on drums. Like he was helping mm-hmm. a little bit with, the sound of stuff but um i don't know i guess i haven't seen in, in either my book or in other online reading like people cite him as being important but it's not like maybe just important important in the recording process yeah 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 but i mean i don't know it doesn't seem like he's exactly helping to like write the songs which some producers straight up do at the end of the day like they'll yeah. yeah, be involved in songwriting and stuff. So that was more of a '60s thing. I feel like though, where like or like Phil Spector would like write all the music and then produce. Well, that it way, and, like, I'm thinking, I guess, groups. of bands that write in the studio a lot, where if they have a producer who's very hands-on and like trusted by the band, the producer will like throw shit in while they're working on a song live. Right. Okay, kind of, yeah, and yeah, influence yeah, yeah. writing songs that way, which the Stones seem to do a lot. So I think we could maybe assume Jimmy Miller you know, probably had a hand in some, yeah, at least some key decisions. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a Jamie band. That would make sense. Yeah. And just throwing ideas out there as they're, yeah. Working through a draft of a song. Right. So, okay. So, but 
last album going out on a on a high note i guess um so three of the songs for goat's head soup were reworked versions of of older songs that had been sitting around and hadn't been either recorded at all or hadn't been finished for other albums okay um and then also goat's head soup will be important a lot of songs from this session show up on later 70s rolling stones albums when they're less prolific uh writing songs they pull a lot of um goat's head soup unrecorded material yeah from this or like uh demo material from this album session to do later because this was apparently a pretty prolific time for them in jamaica where they were working a lot over this few months um the album cover we talked about a few episodes ago because you were claiming it was one of the most famous rolling stones album covers and i was saying i didn't think so i i still think so i think it's like even people who don't i don't know know the stones would maybe no go see this album and yeah um i mean it's definitely very striking and super unique um very weird it's got mick yeah it's got mick with like i always first i'd never looked that carefully at it i guess i always kind of thought it was him with like a stocking over his head like a weird burglar thing um but it's actually him like mushing his face through a sheet of chiffon um oh i always thought it was him in a pair of stockings as well no it's like someone like someone was holding up like a chiffon scarf whatever thing and he Mm -hmm. like was leaning his face through it like one of those weird bead things with the you put your handprint in yeah um was just (laughs) doing that and then they were taking the photos and then the gatefold album or photo on the inside is like the whole band with a bunch of chiffon stuff wrapped around them Um, interesting why is it called goat's head soup so yeah goat's head soup because that was a like dish in jamaica um, but also could be construed as a reference, which is interesting and makes sense, but I didn't think of it, uh, construed as like a devil reference because goats are often a satanic symbol. Um, wow. so that being an idea too behind it, uh, which is kind of, you know, their thing, but yeah, they do love the devil. Oh my God. They love the devil. If if a classic band like Reliant K is God's band, this is more like the Devil's band. That's right. Them and Charlie Daniels band. Okay, well the album sleeve that came with it had a picture of goat's head soup on it. I mean, I don't know if it's what the dish actually. I doubt it because it's a pot of soup with like a full-on goat's head with all the fur and horns attached and stuff in it. So oh. I, I assume oh. that's not how you would cook it actually, but maybe. Um. As like the, yeah, the inner sleeve thing. And then I'm confused. I thought it was a full band photo, but everything I'm finding is just another picture, but just of Keith. Oh yeah, here it is. I found a picture. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's all them with the chiffon stuff around their faces. So maybe that's why we thought it was stockings always. Yeah. Um, But I think it is just like fabric or a scarf or something kind of wrapped around their heads. Man, but, if I had known this picture existed, I would have pulled it up and we could have done hot or not. With the yeah, with the Siobhan. 
<clears throat> well, and they're shirtless too. So yeah, get a- yes, that's true. They're all shirtless, so we could just go hot or not, belly button up, neck down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which one's got the best chest? Little you know what? Mitch. Just real quick, I'm going Bill. I know it's kind of crazy, maybe. Bill but... is weirdly in shape, like the He's most ripped. in shape of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. He's looking Bill. good. He's got, I like, mean, six pack. I would say Keith is a or no 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 who is that Little Mick Little Mick is little a close Mick. second to me. Yeah. Um, just you know that little, barely Charlie, any hair on his chest. <laughs> Charlie has the body of a fifty year old when he's thirty, which yeah, is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just guy who's not actively doing heroin body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> compared to just the rest normal of the band. compared yeah. to the rest, yeah. Yeah. Potentially. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of weird because they're all definitely thin but only keith looks like scary thin to me everyone else just looks kind of normal like i don't Mick's know ribs are poking out quite a bit i would say mick looks yeah that's scary true mick is too. pretty pretty scary too but mick and uh little mick and bill look just like they look good in shape basically yeah not, yeah anyway um so yeah that's kind of all all i got about the album there's not I, I don't think we talked about this on the last episode. I think we talked a little bit after recording, but my book really shits the bed after Exile on Main Street. Uh, mm-hmm. The Rick Cohen, I'm taking you to task here. Um, we're starting some beef with Rick Cohen now. Uh, first of all, we figured out he helped write the show Vinyl, exactly. which as we've already talked about on the show is one of PJ's most disappointing TV moments in history. I do own the vinyl record of all of the music from the first season, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's just like a greatest hits. That's a nice collection yeah. of tunes. I got to exactly. think. Yeah. Um, and then also he just decides apparently that there's nothing worth talking about and ends the book <laughs> in like two chapters after that. And it's crazy that he would go into so much detail and then just like decide what is arguable. I mean, it's not the most interesting part, but it's as interesting as anything else. Like a band declining from those heights and like Keith and Mick having a fallout and all that stuff has got to be pretty riveting reading, I would think. And he just decides it well, can be summed up in a few pages. You ever been writing a paper and then you like get yeah. enough, like, you know, you get, right. it's a, supposed to be like a, you know, thousand word paper, which yeah. is not a lot, but you get to like, 900 words and you're like i'll start summing up at this point yeah maybe that's what he did yeah maybe i mean that's honestly what it read like which i don't think that's how anyone actually writes a book but maybe that's how rick cohen writes a book could be <laughs> like usually i feel like you write way too much and then they have to chop it down is generally yeah. kind of how i thought books worked but maybe he was eking out all this rolling stones knowledge <laughs> um i mean that makes sense that adds up a lot a few of the early chapters were just very much about yeah, I think there was at least one full chapter about him being a college kid in New Orleans and being really in and all of the like different music clubs he went to and right. how somehow somehow that related to the Rolling Stones, which it didn't. I can tell you nope. now it had nothing to do with the Rolling Stones. But basically, I think he was just trying to prove I love music. So I love the Rolling Stones. And it's like you wrote a book about it. So I trust you. You don't need yeah. to prove other bona fides. Also, you wrote for Rolling Stone for like 20 years. The magazine, not the band. Okay, I was going to say you wrote for um, them and about them? Yeah. So, like, I don't, I'm I'm good with that. I don't need to hear about how cool you were in college being into, you know, funk music or whatever. 
Yeah, well, so. that's interesting because I'm actually only interested about that from his writings. <laughs> so the Rick Cohen, yeah, his personal autobiography, but not about any of the cool people he's interviewed or the cool shit he's done for Rolling Stone or writing TV shows. I, I want to know what he played about... on his college radio station. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the album cover just real quick. It was shot by David Bailey, who is a photographer who they'd known since they started as a band, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um. And another kind of interesting detail about it is that on the vinyl copy, Mick's head is basically life size on the front. Like it's a life size photograph. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, you know, obviously it's big, big. it's a 12 by 12. So, um, which is pretty nuts. I don't actually think I have seen in person a vinyl copy of goat's head soup ever through all my record crate digging days. Rolling Stones records were rare to I come by unless it was later era yeah that like, is true i was looking for a copy of sticky fingers or um sticky fingers seems like you'll only ever find that shit in the new really like the new it, yeah section well, that's where i found it and it's gone it, the day that it comes into the store <laughs> yeah it was I, I found one copy of it new and i was like i don't want to buy a new copy no, for yeah. fucking 50 dollars. yeah um but i do own exile on main street and Whew. um nice finds and, and goat's head soup if you feel comfortable how much did an Exile vinyl run you? Let me guess. Ah, oh, damn it. I already heard a four. I was going to say like 30-ish, but. It was like 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I once was record digging with my dad in Portland. We were on a family vacation. And he found, he was in the middle of collecting all the Led Zeppelin albums. Um, This was a few years ago. He has them all now. And uh, found physical graffiti really good condition that's like i i don't know that that's rare i mean it, it sold a lot obviously but it's like an expensive mm. one just because people don't usually get rid of them if they have them um and it was it wasn't even that expensive it was probably like 30 bucks or so but it was pretty expensive for you know most older albums you want to you're more in like the 10 to 20 dollar yeah. range so he was like it's ah, kind of a lot but I think I got to get it. Like I, you know, I'm putting together the collection. I haven't seen this one in like a year. I'll grab it. Got it. And then like a month later I was record shopping somewhere and found a copy, not quite as good condition, but like almost for like $12 somehow at some other record store. Yeah. And I always felt really bad about that. Cause I was like, I was not a big Led Zeppelin fan then I wouldn't say. So I was like, I don't really need this, but I feel like I have to buy it just cause this is such a good price. And yeah, then it buying that led me to my, getting into later era Led Zeppelin because I'd never really heard much after Led Zeppelin 4. So then I got into the the last half of their career. It is, record shopping is weird because you'll find something that you think is a good price at one record store and then yeah. you'll like, you know, go into in, like to a different town yeah. and then you'll find one you're like, it's half the price and in like yeah. so much better condition. Yeah. It just like varies record shop to record shop. It does, yeah. It varies store to store, town to town. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. Region to region, country by country. That's right. Continent by continent. But there is a happy ending, which is that I gave away, I gave my brother and dad my record collection a few years ago when I moved and realized I hadn't listened to them in like two years, so... I'm pretty uh, sure that copy of Physical Graffiti is now in my dad's possession. So, yeah. You should have given me some of them records, pal. 
Well, technically, they're like holding them for me in case I ever want them back because I didn't. It was too close to my love of or to my collecting days to want to just go resell them. Right. That was going to feel too bad. But I was like, you know what? I'll give them to my brother and my dad because I know they'll listen to them and like keep them in good condition for me if when I want them back. Um, um, yeah. And then also around this time, we had another little song come up that that PJ's referred to quite often on this show which is uh you're so vain came out uh actually kind of around the time of exile on main street um but came out and uh involved a, a person named mick jagger who we know it's true love. he does the uh greatest backing vocals i think in any song um and uncredited uncredited because i think he was just in the studio over and i think i've said this on the podcast yeah and then um the producer like kind of knew him and the producer of carly simon's album and then he was like uh i think we need backing vocals mick jagger's in the other room you want me to grab him she's like yes i do but it you could like me and my brother got in the biggest argument when i was when i was younger because i was like it's mick jagger doing vocals like on you're so vain he's like no it's not and then i was like it is you can tell because it sounds like mick jagger and then he's like it's not and then we looked up the album credits and it wasn't there and i was like i know for a fact it's fucking mick jagger i can hear it it sounds like mick jagger like nobody sounds like mick jagger um and he's doing such like he's going full mick on this and i love it (laughs) yeah yeah it's good shit and he um apparently around the time was having an affair with Carly Simon. That's cool. Uh, or at some point, I wonder if this was after. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out. What's the timeline of that? Do you think that's in her personal life section? Probably. Yes, it is. (laughs) Uh, Hmm. no mention of mick jagger in her in her personal life section Not on the first chorus. Interesting. This verse is about Warren Beatty, as we learned before the show. Apparently, yeah. All right, do we want to hear the opening paragraph to People.com's article about Carly Simon and Mick Jagger's relationship? After we hear the backing vocals here. Right. It's definitely Mick Jagger. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. It is good. So she was engaged to James Taylor, 
and she recalled the feelings of raw electricity between her and Mick Jagger while they were recording Near So Vain. A mutual attraction so hot that, quote, having sex would have cooled things off. <laughs> yeah. We've all um, been there. Peter and I deal with that every recording session. Yeah, so she said, so at least during this interview from 2015, she wouldn't really confirm whether they actually slept together or not. Uh, but she said the night before her and James Taylor's wedding, uh, Bianca Jagger called her um, and was all upset and was like, you can't get married to James Taylor because you're sleeping with Mick and like a whole bunch of crazy shit. Um, but maybe not crazy shit. Who knows? Who know- Nobody knows these Hollywood yeah. secrets. Um, and apparently after she married James Taylor, Mick Jagger would still send her roses and cards sometimes, so... Mick Jagger's a fucking baller. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the potential candidates for this song, Mick Taylor, or, sorry, James Taylor, Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Warren Beatty, who's confirmed, Chris Christopherson, and Cat Stevens. If I'm going to take two people from there that I think it's about, it's actually tough, because, like, it would be weird really if it was James Taylor, because she's engaged to the guy. I hope to God it's James Taylor and Cat Stevens, who I always confuse. Yes. Well, and also just seem like the most low-key, like, not vain people Exactly, yeah. Um, Mick Jagger seems like unlikely, since dudes. they apparently kind of met when they were recording the song, so that yeah. seems crazy. David Bowie could be, but also, like, was she really that, like, hanging around David Bowie that much that she was, like, pissed off at him for being really, like... Like, who could be pissed off at David Bowie for being yeah. vain? That's kind of his shit, dude. Right. Chris Christopherson seems very legitimate to me. That does, <laughs> I feel, yeah. I can 100% see someone writing a song being annoyed at Chris Christopherson. Yeah, dude. Um, um, and then, yeah, Cat Stevens seems like maybe he was kind of a dick. He seems like such a meek guy now that it seems unlikely he was, like, ever a, uh, I don't know, Yeah, I feel asshole, like he's but... a... See, I think Chris Christopherson, the first verse... Because he's always, I feel like I, I've seen Chris Christopherson in a cowboy hat, and it mm. says his hat was dipped strategically below one eye. Yeah, that feels like Chris Christopherson. It's got to be Christopherson. Yeah. I think that's it. And We've then third verse. The I don't know, man. I think this list is missing someone, to be honest. There's got to be someone else. Here's a hot take. Yeah, let's hear it. I think the third verse is about herself. <laughs> think it's a she turns inwards yeah yeah it's kind of self-reflective that's so that's beautiful um yeah so and then so part of also why that comes in is that on goat's head soup we have mick jagger's response to mm. you're so vain well not really response to you're so vain but response to carly simon and the the torrid affair or whatever it was so yeah um yeah so goat's head soup it went to so angie came out as the first single before the record came out Makes shot sense. to number one in the u.s was a smash hit uh and went to only number five in the uk but the album it did well enough that the album um on release in august of 73 uh went to number one in both countries easily okay um was a huge album got mixed reviews at the time some uh, it seemed about half and half of some people thinking it was continued excellence uh, from their exile and sticky fingers days and then um 
Lester Bangs, who I think was the guy who wrote the couple reviews for Rolling Stone, the magazine yeah. that we talked about yeah. recently. Um, I uh, he had moved to Famous Cream at Rolling that point. Stone writer. Yeah. yeah, I think he had moved to a different magazine at that point, but kind of continued his whole thing of like the Rolling Stones still haven't made a great album as or at least as good as they could. And they got a few album or a few reviews definitely that were thought it was a letdown of an album. And I would say from some of the contemporary reviews, uh, like pitch, uh, they've had a couple, there was a remaster in 2010 and one in 2020. So there are quite a few contemporary reviews of this. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's about the same. Like people still seem kind of half and half on like either it's, a classic still in the vein of the last few albums or it's a you know a marker of them falling apart and coming coming down off their off right. their peak so we'll see what we um, think lester bangs famously portrayed in the movie almost famous by philip seymour hoffman oh nice and we share a birthday you and lester Phil seymour or lester bangs okay nice Maybe both. I don't know Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman's birthday. Look it up. I remember his death day. Me too. I was watching Punch Drunk Love, and I said, that's the man. That's the man. Oh, okay. I was about to say, did you go watch The Master at the Roxy? I think that was probably the day after. but That was probably the day after. Yeah. Unfortunately, Philip Seymour Hoffman and I do not share a birthday, oh. but we do share a death day. Oh, really? Hey, I, speaking yeah. of heroin addicts. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, I forgot that he um, was in it. The, yeah. the most recent heroin addict, Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> the last one of his time. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, that's... <laughs> heroin's no weirdly still prevalent. I don't... It seems like something... It's because it's incredibly addictive. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I understand that. It's just, for some reason, it seems like a drug that should be, like, hard to find now. I don't know why, but it seems, like, weird in 2021 that you would still, like, do... Do heroin yeah like it's i mean especially because i know it's definitely a different or like a more intense high than like just opioids and stuff but it's like since just heroin in pill form is basically a thing now yeah like why, why it's, why it's would just kind of wild that you'd like do the whole boiling it on a spoon and injecting it and like all that yeah. shit still it just seems kind of crazy so if you have any heroin hookups please email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely email us through Gmail about your drug hookups. Yes, please. Yeah, that's what we want to know. And we will not be going to any higher authority on this. We promise. That's how we get them, Pete. Yeah, we're narcs now. We're No, we're not narcs. <laughs> wink, wink. Okay. I, uh, once in college. Um, you did heroin? <laughs> but it's very apropos to this story. No, 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 no. Once in college, I was talking with a friend about being interested in trying mushrooms. And he was like, and I was like, how do we get mushrooms? Do you know anyone? And he said, oh, my friend's roommate grows mushrooms, like in their basement or whatever. So we can probably buy them from him. And I said, that's awesome. I'll text him and texted this friend. Like it was a friend of a friend, but I had his number directly. And I just went like, hey, this is getting cut out. Um, I texted him going like, yo, whoever said that, like, I can get mushrooms from you or something. Yeah. And he did not text back. He immediately called 
the friend who I was sitting in the same room with talking to about this called him and was like, yo, did you tell someone that like my roommate grows mushrooms and like was freaking out and was like, you can't do that. Like blah, 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 all that. And then like the friend hung up and was like, did you just text him? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you think? You really think like Missoula cops (laughs) are like, are pulling, like, first of all, they would have to pull our texts, you know? Yeah. And then also then they would have to comb through them. And then also they would have to like take that one text as like reasonable evidence, you know, like just what do you think is happening here ever? Um, and then he was like, they were like so serious about it. And so I just texted or he said, like, I think he texted back saying like, no, sorry. Cause he was like, gotta yeah. cover our tracks, man. <laughs> and then I texted back like, oh, sorry. I love vegetables though. Or something to like help him <laughs> cover. But it was a very, you know, like this is stupid. Yeah. Um, and just so, trying to get that salad hookup. Yeah. I mean, when the name of your drug is straight up something that's not a drug, that should that's be fine. not reasonable cause like at no. all. like first of all if anyone ever saw those texts which is never going to happen because they aren't going to pull your text without like it reasonable could be about morels you know yeah and so like i mean i guess maybe there's a world in which case in which that roommate gets like picked up and then they do like but then it's like it's it's not the guy's phone it's a friend's phone like that text that's never going to reach anybody it yeah. was insane to me. And obviously I still think about it a lot because it's so ridiculous that they got so it's upset dumb. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, dude, you realize I texted my weed dealer directly for years, yeah. like not saying the name of the, but just being like, are you home? I want to come pick some stuff up in a way where it's like, if any cop knew or like thought he was a weed dealer, that tells you all you need to oh, know. Oh, fully. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even though the drug name is never mentioned, it's like the fact that I'm texting him once a week and I'm going over to his house at like 1130 at night and yeah. being like, and him being like, oh, I don't have like new stuff, but I have, some, you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like, it's so obvious what you're talking about. So yeah, that's <laughs> it was amazing. Cool. Yeah. We can leave that in except the part where we say his name maybe, but <laughs> I think it's a good story. I'll leave it in except for the, yeah. Yeah. We, we should take out. We should take out his name just because I have no fucking clue who listens to this, and I don't know. Yeah, that's I fair. don't. I don't like, but I guess I don't need him to go to hell. Yeah, so mushrooms. I don't need to him to know that I don't like him. I always tried to be nice to him, generally, just because he was like best friends with one of my best friends. So anyway, okay. Pete, you want to get into the track by track? Let's do the track by track for Goat's Head Soup. I apologize for forty five minutes of editing. No, that's fine. I'm just gonna go trim yeah. and then snip on one end until there's music and end. yeah all right well dancing with our own with your host, host yeah mr d mr d groovy funky very groovy dirty the drumming on it is like gross you know yeah. like it's grody grungy man did the stones invent grunge pj I mean, they're dirty because they're stones, and they're on the ground all the time. That's where dirt lives. Um, Aside from the lyrics being kind of stupid, maybe. Yeah. This is an awesome song. (laughs) Oh, it's a very good song. Yeah. I was... um, I don't think I had, like, heard this song before. No, I had, because I had it on vinyl. 
but like when yeah. I saw the name of it, I was like, this is gonna be fucking stupid. But yes. no, it's a really good song. I mean, the whole idea, especially because they already did Sympathy for the Devil, which is inarguably the most successful devil-related song ever written, I would say. Devil Went Down to Georgia. Okay, tied. It's tied. I would say it's tied with Devil Went Down to Georgia. But, um, like, then this just comes across, like, you guys, you guys remember that other song you did, right? Like, this isn't... I mean, I know it's kind of different because it's about him, like, it's more, I don't know, like, voodoo-y He's of him, dancing. like, going to the graveyard and, like, doing yeah. a weird ritual and stuff. But, um, yeah, it still just comes across a little... I mean, if they're being tongue-in-cheek, I definitely love it. If they're kind of trying to be well, serious, tongue-in-cheek then... is their thing. It's their logo, people. <laughs> I, I think we've talked about this with the Rolling Stones a few times, but I find it hard to tell when they have a self-awareness or not. Yeah. So if this song is self-aware, I love it. Ten out of ten. It mm-hmm. it drops a little bit if they're being perfectly serious here, and then it's just I a little just too. I just don't lame. think they do serious. I think like at this point they know. Oh, I think like, all they do is like over serious. I don't. It's hard to tell. It's genuinely hard to tell. It it really know? is because on the one hand, like Mick seems like such a self-serious person who like just would not be able to crack a joke about himself or like to have like a self-awareness of like well we already did one devil song so let's write like right. kind of a more like let's do an angel funny song. ridiculous devil song yeah um yeah he just seems he just doesn't seem that like with it basically <laughs> but right. on the other hand like in a lot of interviews and stuff, they do seem, maybe it's more recent interviews, but, like, they do seem very, to have a lot of humor and, like, self-awareness about yeah. themselves, but maybe that comes later, more into the 80s that could and 90s, be. after they've But gone. you never know. Like, it's hard yeah. to tell with the, their it tone. Um, but this song's great. I love that guitar riff. Like I said, it's yeah. very, like, low and dirty, and it's great. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I thought this was a really good song, really good opening to the album. Agreed. All right. 100 years ago. Is uh, this, this is Billy the Preston first one? Billy Preston appearance. Okay. Yeah. Fucking knew it. Um, I don't want to get there too early. This might be my favorite song on the album. It's at least in the top couple for me. It's this song really is good. excellent. I love and the clavinet. I love the like kind of funk rhythm that they have going yeah. on. Yeah. It's and, very and unique and new sounding for the Stones. The second album in a row where they've nailed the first two out of the gate. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it kind of reminds me, like, the first two songs in general kind of remind me of some of the Stone stuff that's later that's, like, pretty good, like Miss yeah. You. Yeah. And, like, kind of, like, seeing that. Yeah. This one, what's interesting about 100 years ago to me um is that I feel like if you took away the Billy Preston's part, it would just be like kind of a classic, for this era at least, like Rolling Stones, like country adjacent yeah. rock tune. But then the clavinet and then some of the like fuzz guitar just makes it very funky. And so then it's this weird like funk country mix that is Different. awesome. I was loving yeah. it. I was ex- This song specifically made me really excited for this whole album and then... They didn't really yes. get back there too much. We'll get to it, but yes. Yeah, so I have some thoughts on that. We'll talk about a little bit later. But this is a really, really good song. Um, 
Yeah, and then this middle section is really good. Yeah. And the, and like, yeah, the wah guitar uh, yeah. that's on this, too. Nice and, you know, funky. Funky as in literally, like, Parliament Funkadelic style funk. Yeah, like funk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not funky like fish funky. No, funky like a really good funk band, like uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. Yeah, 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 like one of the best funk bands of all time, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then this part happens. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, I like... I think they do this on, like, three or four songs, I feel like, on this. Maybe it's just this one in winter, and I'm... But they do the, uh, you know, not just standard verse-chorus bridge uh, thing a couple, three times on here, and I like it. Yeah. Because when it... Every time when it picks back up is always really good. Especially with Billy Preston on it, dude. It's so good. Yeah, this song is amazing. I think there's not much more I can say about it. Yeah. Coming down again. Oh yeah, uh, Keith, a Keith, uh, all original, written and sung by Keith. Um, and then also Little Mick is doing the bass line on this one. Bill, actually a curious note about this album is that Bill is only credited with playing bass on three songs. That is Every other song, either Keith or Little Mick is credited for, and it makes me wonder if Bill had something going on that he was, like, not around for. Was he just getting drunk on rum and a coconut on the beach the whole time? That's kind of his favorite thing. Yeah, you can... Um, I, th- I think it's very funny that we went from the Beach Boys where it was like hard to tell who was singing like we had to like work yeah. at it and it's like oh this is a keith one yes yeah. although i will say even though it's still within an obviously limited range this is definitely i would say his best vocal so far it's not to my bad. mind the, the last one i remember being very hmm. dylan-y yes or, yeah. that's true and this one i i guess i kind of like this one because it seems more its own thing um but it's the best vocal he's done so far kind of sounding like it's yeah. his own voice um, and yeah. he uh i don't know he he doesn't sound bad this is a weird song to put third i would say yeah once again we're in you know like except for exile we're on like the 50th album in a row with a slow song as number two or three yeah. um and i also just don't like this song that much i don't find there to be much interesting stuff happening here i i I'm always curious as to why Keith would write slow songs like this when his whole thing is like, "Look at me play my guitar," you right? Know, like, and it doesn't have like maybe a they're fucking easier to write somehow. I don't know. Riff. Yeah, come more naturally to him. I actually like the lyrics for this song are good. Everything about it is kind of good. It's just way too slow. Like, I don't think it needs to be this sad loping ballad at all. If they no. sped it up, like, I mean, that pedal to even a mid-tempo really song, yep. it would be pretty good. Yeah. Or do it like they did Exile for the slow ones, where it's, like, more country Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this feels, like, weird, like, kind of mid-70s schlock to me. Like, it's very produced. Yeah. Um, and the wah guitar, even though it's new for the Stones, kind of mixes in with that to just make it seem a little like a just, yeah, generic 70s like rock a ballad. ballad. Yeah. So. So. Do-do, uh, do-do, heartbreaker in parentheses. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably the best song on the album for me. 
It's a good song. Uh, once again, I mean, Billy Preston on clavinet, and apparently he's running the clavinet through a wah pedal. Cool. Is what that sound is, which is fucking dope. Um, yeah, this is a great song. Uh, one of the most famous Stone songs, I would say. Um, mostly because I feel like it's used in movies a lot, or it was in the oh, early okay. 2000s. I believe it was used in Ocean's Eleven, maybe? Oh, interesting. Maybe just the heart, the horn kind of part no like the the lyrics and stuff too yeah at the climax of the film if i'm not mistaken god now we gotta look that up uh it might also not be ocean's 11 it might be the movie out of sight it was featured in the series finale of the cbs drama cold case and the season three finale of blue bloods oh i don't know i'll look it up on imdb wikipedia is not obviously uh helpful um, comprehensive, always. And this is also like I don't know. And the like, horns are weird, so great. The horns are really good. There's like a weird jazz beat or something. Like I don't know. It's really good though. How do you look that up? Can you look up songs on IMDb? I think so. Um, yeah, this song's fantastic. It is about, um, it's about, uh, New York City cops shooting a 10-year-old black kid, so that's nice. Oh. Um, I'm really glad that times have changed yes, in the last- Yes, things have gotten, have 50. been so much, yeah, do you want to know, the story is literally a, like, 2020, um, story. It's like, they, there was a robbery, and they had a suspect- uh, like description that did not match at all a 10 year old child except that he was black and they like were the kid was with his dad and they were like talking to them and they got scared and started running and so then they just shot them of course um, cool yes love that so um, but yeah this song is I love the horns on it the yeah, the clavinet funk is fantastic. It's yeah, and the it's doo-doo. really great. Yeah, yeah, this is like yeah. So far, except for like not loving coming down again, this is a fantastic first first half we're we're going through. Yeah. Well, and then it uh, continues with the song, NJ. Yes, one of their other big 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 hits. Yes, yeah, I'm, we need to go ahead real quick uh, at some point during this song or after and rank our uh, Rolling Stones ballads. Yeah. Between Angie, Sweet Virginia, and uh, Wild Horses. Because, yeah, these oh. are the big three, the big three ballads for them. Unless that's I'm hard. missing one, but I think that's the that would be the... That's hard, genuinely. And yeah, which one's the least bad? It is. It's tough. Shut the fuck up. Sweet Virginia and Wild Horses. Yeah, are Sweet songs. Virginia to me is a clear number one personally. Like just because that's the only one of those three that I out and out love as a song. I think Wild Horses. And then is a great song. Yeah, I think this one's slightly better than Wild Horses, if only just because. Well, it's actually really hard because this song, except for the this melody, is the best part of the song to my mind. Um, but then this part, like the minor key part, sounds so fucking much like the Eagles. 
Really? I don't hear that yes, at all. Yes, it sounds so much like like those acoustic guitar minor arpeggios sounds so Eagles to me. Um, so this song, have you heard the theory behind it? Uh, I mean, maybe. I've read a little bit about about the song, but share share with the with the fans here, Pete. So, um, or at least this is something my brother told me. I don't know if it's like accepted. Um, apparently, uh, Angie Bowie, David mm. Bowie's uh, girlfriend, wife, I assume, because her last yeah. name is Bowie. Um, she walked in on Mick and uh, David Bowie having sex, <laughs> and then I knew uh, that story. I didn't know its relation to this song, though. Uh, and apparently, uh, it was uh, David Bowie was like, "It'd be too out and about if I wrote a song about it. You need to write a song about it, uh, Mick." And so, that's like the theory behind nice. it is Angie Bowie caught them boning, and uh, he wrote a song about it. Um, Very but apparently, Keith Richards mostly wrote this song. Yes, yeah. Um, that's the the tale that I read was that he wrote it, and the other speculation is that it was about his kid who's named Angela, but uh, she wasn't either born or named Keith Richards Angela kids, right? until after the song came out, so like it didn't matter at all because she was originally named Dandelion. But then at some point they wanted to get her baptized and they had to give her a Christian name. So they went with Angela. But it was that was after this song came out, so yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, of all the people, by the way, to give their child a true hippie name, Keith Richards seems like the last in the fucking I would world. Have, never would have guessed it. And like yeah. even Anita doesn't seem like that, you know, hippy dippy, from what no. we know of her at least, like that they would want to name a kid. Right. A flower child. Like, make her a little literal flower child. Yeah. Well, weed child. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So what do you think about the song? It's solid. I would say it's about tied with wild horses to me as being fine, but not as incredible as everyone thinks it is. This is my least favorite of the three you named. I'm listening to it I think objectively that's probably the fair thing. I just, like we've talked about, don't love wild horses, but... I just love the way that he goes, NJ. Yeah, but then I, the part where he actually whispers is so fucking stupid, where he's like, uh, I want to whisper your name, and then he literally goes, NJ. It's so fucking yeah. dumb. And it's so really funny, but not in like a way where they were trying to be. That's what I mean. It's like, it's you don't know, and there's no way they were joking then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Silver Train. Start in side two with a classic blues. Uh, I don't even know if it's called a rave up because it's pretty mid tempo, but. Yeah. I like the guitar at the beginning there. Yeah. You hate, I, uh, I imagine you hate uh, mixed vocals on this. Oh, I don't know. I This song to me, my, my exact wording on it was it sounds like a factory version of a Rolling Stone song. Like just a factory production, you know, so factory let me line talk song. About but what I was gonna talk about it. I find it very enjoyable to listen to. Like I would never skip it. I think this is a really good song. I really like this song. I think it's yeah. a really good start to side B. But this whole album, kind of, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the album as well. It sounds like they had kind of the creative energy of um, Exile on Main Street. Yeah. But it's like way 
more produced, which I think I like less. Mm. Yeah? Because it, it sounds like they were trying to do kind of the same thing, and you can hear that in some of them, where it's yeah. like very country-y, but then there's like production on top of it that makes it like yeah. not country-y. And I think, I think this would have been maybe a better album if it had been less produced, but yeah. um, I don't think it's like a bad album. I just think it it could have been maybe another exile had they, I don't know, produced it in a basement in France, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a good song. The slide guitar on it, which I imagine is Lil Mick, is really, really good. It is. Yeah, let me double check that. It's got to be. It sounds exactly like Dwayne Allman, so... Oh, well, they don't say who's playing slide or not, so... But, uh, yeah, I, I also assume it's him. Um, the fills are great. Oh. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is great. I was going to skip this song like four times, and then I was like, I have to wait for that part. Yeah. I mean, it is very good. It's 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 just, um, you know, yeah. Like if you plug Rolling Stone song into a... AI, this yeah, is what comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, this will come out. It's But it's definitely not a bad song. Yeah. All right, Hide Your Love. Oh, God, I love the piano on this song. Yeah. This sounds very exile to me for some reason or another. I can't really put my yeah. finger on it, but it just seems like some of those tunes on there. I hear that. But more produced. Yeah. Ooh, that bass line's great. This is a good song. That's a Keith bass line. It is a good bass line. Yeah, this is a. I like this song a lot. Um, yeah, I was like listening to this while I was like not taking a nap, but like laying down. And this song came on, and I was like, I have to write down how much I like this song. Yeah, it's really good. I, I don't think I like it that much. Like it's it's similar to Silver Train, I would say, where like I do not love it, but I won't. It's not a skip song at all, you know. Um, definitely I, is is solid. I think if you're vibing, the song's perfect. Yeah. Um, all right, Winter. This is one of those apparently, at least among fans, like very, very famous Rolling Stones song that I had never heard or heard of before. I've heard it before. Yeah. Famous? That's, I really yeah. love the guitar tone on it. The guitar's really great, so this, this gets a lot of comparison to Moonlight Mile from Sticky Fingers, okay. yeah. um, both because it was written by Mick and Little Mick uh, together, and then also right. because it sounds a lot like it, <laughs> and is very similar to being like this kind of ballad that then gets kind of 
like dramatic at the end with some string arrangements and guitar and stuff so yeah um it does sound a lot like moonlight mile and is definitely not as good as moonlight mile but it's still very good it's a very good song i would agree and i didn't kind of realized the comparison until you said it and i was like yep that is moonlight mile yes yeah um, it's just like moonlight mile the, which is a better version song. yeah 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 but it's good and i like good. the lyrics for some reason even though they're not anything particularly special it's very it's like different lyrical territory for the stones yeah. uh and i don't know i like it I really like, I don't know, I just, I like the lyrics for some reason here, they work for me quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, it does kind of just build up to a orchestral thing. I'm going to skip the end. Anyway, it does that thing. Um, next song, Can You Hear the Music? If you call this music. Um, oh, there's that flute. Yeah, this is definitely them getting some 70s prog rock influence in the studio. Like. There's like you got this sounded... flute. There's a little bit of like double guitar work later on. Yeah. Um, this to me sounded like a really, like one of the Beach Boy songs I absolutely fucking <laughs> hate. What's I, weird, no one, at least through the Wikipedia entries, no one is credited with playing the organ on this song, which is fucking weird. It sounds like a fucking Grateful Dead song. It's, In a it's bad interesting. Way. I I like it. It after winter and like hide your love, it's just a little bit too mid tempo through the back half of the album here for me. So I agree. that's really if this song Yeah. If it wasn't the third slowish song in a row, I'd like it better probably. I just full on don't like this song. I don't like that it starts with a fucking flute. Yeah, the flutes. Yeah, the flutes are rough. Does it do anything else interesting? I feel like it kind of does because it gets a little. There's some cool guitar work at some point. I don't remember exactly when though. Like, this part's pretty good with that guitar. It sounds like, um... Steely Dan a little bit. With the... Yeah. Yeah. Babe, why do you keep making so much noise? I'm trying to make podcast magic over We're trying to make podcast soup. Yeah, we're making podcast soup. Rolling Stone Soup. That could have been the name of the show. It would have paid off exclusively on this episode. True. Uh, yeah, that's basically this song. Yep, it's not very good. Um, Star Star is the final song on the this album. This is our Chuck Carly Berry. Simon. Yeah. They do a little uh, tune. Chuck Berry... Uh, intro yeah. i uh really like this song 
This is a really good song. This is this is definitely my favorite on the back half here, at least. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is great. Originally was titled Starfucker, which is the chorus. Um, but the is that where the, the band got their name from? Probably, honestly. Hmm. Um, but Atlantic, you know, changed the name for the album's release, and then also apparently tinkered with the first mix so that like him saying Starfucker was buried a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that's been corrected, you know, on the remixes, but or the reissues. Remasters. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really good song. It is, man. And also just legitimately weird hearing, like, real cursing in a song this old. There's a, speaking of Steely Dan, there's a couple, like, early 70s Steely Dan songs with the F word in it, and it just sounds odd because you're not used to hearing it from from media that early. You know, when I heard the song as a little boy, I thought it was about the video game Star Fox. Oh, yeah. Nice. I do love how he says Starfucker too. Yeah. Starfucker, Starfucker. He's like, yeah, he's doing like a little like Brooklyn-y thing. Yeah, yeah. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, man. It's hilarious that this is also about Carly Simon. Right? And just like so obviously. Yeah. I don't know at the time, but at least in hindsight, like, so obviously, yeah. It's great, man. <laughs> Why does he say it like that? I, I, I have no idea, but it's, it's, good. it's really fantastic. Yeah. It makes it so much more fun to listen to. The only thing I feel like is I wish this had a little horn section Ooh, happening. That'd be it good. seems it seems like perfectly set up as a song to have some horns popping in during the chorus. Most definitely, yeah. Yeah, a really good song. Oh, this is something I've been meaning to bring up for weeks. Uh, but l- last year, at some point, this is kind of Rolling Stones news. Um, a video on Facebook, uh, a live video from Jerry Lee Lewis. It, he looks like still he's, still alive. <laughs> he's only in his 80s, and he looks bad. I'm amazed. Wow. He looks bad. He's gonna die soon. He's on my celebrity death list. But. Um, <laughs> He wears uh, Rolling Stones pajamas, a Rolling Stones oh. bottoms, and a Rolling Stones t-shirt, and it's very That's, cute. Wow, adorable for a pedophile. Yeah, <laughs> a cousin pedophile, nevertheless. Yeah, the, uh, an even worse. Speaking of Prince Philip. <laughs> so that's Goat's Head Soup. This, yeah, this has been Goat's Head Soup. What are your do you want to go first, PJ? Who wants to rock paper scissors? Here, we'll rock paper scissors. Rock paper scissors shoot. I got scissors. I can't see your I hand. I did too. Oh, damn. Sorry. All right, one more time. Rock paper scissors shoot. I'm going paper. paper. Oh, <laughs> damn it. We keep lining up. All right. Rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot. Rock. I'm going rock. God damn it, PJ. <laughs> okay, one last time. All right, all right, all right. We gotta break it. Rock. rock. Paper, Paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. shoot. <laughs> Holy shit. Four we for both four, man. Scissors. 
Wow, we apparently have the same strategy, which is just to move in the next one. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll go, go first. You go oh, first. Oh, yeah. Screw you, man. All right. I said it first, but it might have just been a Zoom issue. So, um, Goat's Head Soup is interesting. I like it generally. It's kind of a weird album. It feels like the Stones... I don't think they did this purposefully at all, to be honest, but it feels like they looked at what was like their best songs off the last four albums and then just tried to do a different version of all those kind of, um, like, I feel like, like almost every song feels like it has direct connections either with like the sound or like the musical stylings or whatever to songs that have yeah. come out on their last few albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of them, yeah, I will say none of them like are better than any of the stuff it seems like they're influenced by. Um, right. So that kind of hurts the album as a whole. I do think there's some really interesting songs on here uh, and some really good songs. Um, and then, yeah, I find myself frustrated with this album a little bit, like with a lot of Stones albums, because it starts really great with those first two songs. Uh, and then... I guess the whole first half is great except for coming down again. Um, and I particularly like Billy Preston's additions yeah. and them kind of going for that weird funk. Um, especially cause I feel like this might not even be true, but I feel like we're getting into an era where I associate the Rolling Stones with New York. <laughs> okay. I feel like them in like gritty seventies, New York seems like it ties together kind of. I kind of get um, that too. Yeah. And so, like, with them kind of doing some funk rhythms and instrumentation, like, that seems like it's working. And then the second half um, really just is where it seems like, like, even though I know that they wrote all the songs for this album, I would not be surprised if everything except Starfucker were demos from, like, the last four years of The Stones. Yeah. On at least the second half of the album, because it all just sounds like stuff that's, like, vaguely similar but not as good to other songs. I have almost the exact same opinion as you. It doesn't seem like it was a well thought out or planned album. It does just seem like they were kind of pulling kind of their hits from exile and sticky fingers. And then being like, we could, let's just do more of that. And then like produced better. So like, it feels like exile, but none of the like heart that exile had, you know? Um, well yeah and it's weird that i mean maybe this is a a sign of jimmy miller's like decline as a producer but it seems like their last four albums have had kind of some distinct sound and like kind of vibes i guess throughout the whole album in a way where like the full thing seems like it's working together and somewhat distinct and Goat's Head Soup seems like it could have that. Like, it hints at it with some of the funk details. and yeah. like, But then it ends up just being a thing where, like, on each song, like, they do horns on one song. They do the funk clavinet thing on two songs. They do, like, a little bit of a prog rock thing on one song. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they just don't stick with anything throughout the album yeah. or, like, bring back up enough stuff for it to feel like right. anything goes together. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Um, yeah. And it does feel like it could have been produced a lot better in that yeah. way. And with less production on some tracks, like you said. Yeah. But that being said, not a bad album. Like, it was a good yeah. listen. Yeah. For sure. And it's got, well. It's 
got a lot of good songs. Yeah. I was going to, yeah, it's, it's got at least three or four that I will, when we get to our best of the era, uh, episode, um, soon, it's got three or four songs that I'll at least pull for my first, you know, first round of, mm-hmm. of best ofs. Um, do you want to give it a rating? I mean, I know you do, but do you want to say what your rating is? Why don't you go first? Okay. I'm curious. I feel like a seven is too high and a six is too low. Like, okay. cause a seven. See, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing between seven and eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I go seven then. Cause it is, it is very good, but I also just feel like aside from a couple, three tracks, I might not really like, there's just not a lot going for it as an album. So that way it might feel more like a six to me. Maybe I um, go seven too. We'll meet in the middle there. We'll just both do a seven on it and then that'll like average out you know yeah 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 i think i think a seven out of ten is a very fair rating for it yeah so. um and like i wish angie i feel like i had the problem with angie that you do with like wild horses or some songs that you've heard that are good songs but you've just heard it way too much and yeah. like maybe angie's a good fucking song i don't really know anymore yeah maybe i do feel like angie i mean kind of like we talked about while the song was going um and also like you've been talking about i feel like angie is suffers a lot from being from its production style yeah um like it just seems very schlocky yeah yeah yeah. um and same with the other ballad coming down again like we talked about and it's like yeah if they had done a little more like raw recording here Mm -hmm. I think it would have worked um, in the album's benefit and specifically yeah. those two songs for sure. I think so too. So, um, yeah, well, that's Goat's Head Soup. We have um, almost, oh no, okay, never mind. Mick Taylor's on the next one, but that's his last one, I think. What's the next one? Rock. It's only rock and roll. That's right. Yeah, because that's the one where they they write it's only rock and roll with Ron Wood, but then Mick Taylor's still on the album. Yeah, and then the next one after that he's not on. I do. Little Mick is some of the saving grace in some of these. Yes, I do. I feel like both. um, I mean, they they might have been good albums regardless, but I feel like both Sticky Fingers and Goat's Head Soup would have suffered a lot without Little Mick guitar on that, oh yeah for sure certainly. like he he definitely made those albums great to some degree um although i don't know maybe keith had stuff hidden up his sleeve that we don't know and heroin and track marks <laughs> yeah maybe that yeah so well pj well pete that's ghost head suit that's we're we're deep in we're getting deep into the 70s now man you know, it's just crazy that we've come this far, man. It really is. We're almost a decade in. Our next album will be 10 years into the Rolling Stones, at least from when their first album came out. 10 years yeah. into the Rolling Stones. and uh, That's crazy. That's nuts, man. Yeah. It's crazy that they've been around for that long and that, you know what? I hear they're still kicking around. I hear I mean, they can't really kick anymore. Like, their legs aren't no, really that working that well. Oh, but... and they're fake. Yeah. I imagine they've all got peg legs. But that's just because well, I saw Keith, Keith Richards does, in the Pirates of the He's a full-on yeah. pirate now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Pete. I will see you 
on the other side of that wave. See you there, PJ. Beach Boys Boys Production.